I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Sandspence Radio. I tried to find the script for the internship to read just to you, but apparently it doesn't exist. So as a child, I had this book full of ghost stories, and one day I dropped it in front of this really pretty girl, and she picked it up and went, ghost stories? Ooh, sexy. But she was being facetious to hurt my feelings, because being a teenager is just a series of social nightmares and hormone-fueled misadventures. I had the last laugh, though, because I started a podcast called Jackson Bailey Spooks America, where I could use all of the spooky information I absorbed as a teenager instead of fingering girls. Unfortunately for you, that show is only for patrons, so if you want to listen to me, Dusha, and Adam discuss big feet and poltergeists, you're probably going to need to head over to patreon.com forward slash sandspans and support the show. Alright, welcome to another episode of Movie Maintenance, where some films just need pitching. Today, we're looking at King Kong. I'm I'm hoping Zamet goes with like the music from the 1930s original. Like it's just, I was listening to some of it today. It's like really bombastic and over the top and it's like jungle and drums. Oddly doesn't yeah some of it is, but yeah. a lot of it oddly doesn't quite match with what's going on when you're watching the film. Like it's really jaunty and happy when everyone's getting eaten by diplodocuses. So which is factually inaccurate? Uh, no, it, it is. It is factually inaccurate. Although I don't know, I don't know about the the sub branch sure. of Skull Island diplodocus. Well, that's whether they it. were whether they were cannibalistic because everything on that island tries to kill you. We can be sure, including Andy Circus. Pretty sure a couple of stegosaurs eat as eat people and as any of the things is that he's in too, isn't he? In the yes, he's the is, cook. Yeah. He's probably a T Rex as well. Um, so was that back when he was kind of like, oh, I'm an actual actor, guys. I can I can play a physical human. And Peter Jackson was like, yeah, be my King Kong for me. He's like, oh, I'll be the cook. Yes, you'll be the cook. <laughs> so to, just to just huh. to kick off, um, <laughs> sorry, again. No, that's all right. Sorry, I just want to like because we're talking about we're talking about Peter Jackson, but like. Have you guys actually seen the original 1933 yeah, King Kong? Yeah, I watched it in film school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I love that film. Oh, that's great. I, I yeah. really, really love yeah. the 30s original. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just it's it's one of those films. I mean, it's it's kind of one of those franchises, but particularly just that film is just one of those like really special ones from my childhood. It just had a very particular feel, and I had a real fascination with it, with like the mythology behind it and how it was made and what went into it and all of that. And I remember watching the 70s remakes. I went through a weird King Kong obsessive stage when I was like 13. Gabe went to a weirdly obsessive phase about it a film sounds franchise. out of character. It but, does. Um, anyway, it throwing, does. you know, here it is. You know, you learn something new about everyone every day. But anyway, so like I watched the 70s remake and I just remember kind of watching it being like, uh, nah, it's not the same. It's not the same characters. It's not the same feel. It's not the same feel of like is, is of that mystery and adventure and discovery. Yeah. yeah. What, the um, 70s one's robot? Well, they made a... Oh, sorry. In my mind, I'm like, he fought a robot. No, it's just... No, they, they a, made a like robot a, King Kong. They made a, no, 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 no. It's the King Kong is a cyborg. Is he? Well, not? yeah. Well, they made yeah. a full size. They, no, not in the film. They made a full size Kong. That's Wait, in the sequel. What? King okay. Kong is thank yeah. you. Thank you. All right. Um, I'm, I'm getting my Kong. So this is the this is a version of King Kong where King Kong is a cyborg. Well, yes. I think that's the Japanese one. But in the okay, so get this in just bit of bit of bit of. 
context, yeah. if you will. Oh, get fucked. I never context. do that again. Um, so, so they made a remake in 76. The robot Kong in that, they made a life-size robotic King Kong. It's only actually in two shots of the film mm-hmm. because it was so shit. The rest of the film was just a guy in a gorilla suit. It's trash. It's garbage. It's Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange are the... Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, yeah. Hey. He plays King Who, Kong. He, huh. he, no, that's Andy Serkis' yeah. dad. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jeff Bridges. It's actually Rick Baker, but whatever. Yeah. But anyway, so, you know, and, and Kong climbs the World Trade Center at the end. Of course and jumps between the buildings and and um Jessica Lang's character who is the Anne Darrow character in that is called Dwan. Her name is Dwan. D W A N. Let's all just say, take a moment to Dwan. I'm Dwan. Jessica Lang. Like they misspelled Dawn and nobody corrected it. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine when they just get to this bit and like the guy's written it, it's been like approved, it finally gets on set and the director just goes, Ah, uh, surely that's a well no, it got this far. Yeah. Yes. Your character's name is Dwan. <laughs> I love you, Duane. And then they made a sequel in 86 called King Kong Lives. Mm -hmm. King Kong Lives, Duane does not return, neither does Jeff Bridges, whose name escapes me. Um, But King Kong does. Well, King Kong Lives. Are we sure that Jeff Bridges' character's name isn't like Jimmy instead of Jim? I think his name is... I think his name is still Jack because he's fulfilling the uh, Jack Driscoll role from the original. Okay, yeah. But he's like he's an environmentalist. No, he's, I think he's just called Jack something else. Anyway, so King Kong Lives is like 10 years later and Linda Hamilton is the main character. Hey. And it starts with her being like, we must save Kong, who's been in a coma for 10 years. This but is needs I a, Yes. And they've made a fake heart for him, but he needs a blood transfusion, otherwise he's going to die in a few days. And then they <laughs> coincidentally find a Lady Kong with oh. big lady boobs in the desert. Yep. And they bring Lady Kong yep. in and they give Kong some of Lady Kong's blood. Kong wakes up, of course breaks out, goes on a rampage, sees Lady Kong. The screen goes all shaky and blurry as they look at each other for the first time. Then the two Kongs go on the run with Linda Hamilton in close pursuit. There's a scene where the Kongs are being followed by Linda Hamilton and her man friends. And then it's a PG film, but you see Linda Hamilton's boobs. And then, In like, a PG film? Yes, yes, you do. And then King Kong and Lady Kong have ape sex. Yep. While In Linda a Hamilton, PG film? Yes, while Linda Hamilton opens up her sleeping bag, revealing her boobs, and is like to her man friend, whose name escapes me, we're just primates too. And then there's a <laughs> sex scene intercut between those yes. characters and the Kongs. Fucking, and then the film ends. What's it called again? King Kong Lives. I'm just gonna write that down. The film, the film ends. <laughs> just go home and have a with, bit of a with Kong getting massacred by tanks, while Lady Kong has his baby, and Kong dies with his baby in its arms, in his arms. Which leads again, to Son of Kong. No, it made no money. There was no, Son of Kong was the a sequel to the 33 original. Okay, well, um, I just figured it was a sequel to the. No, no, Son of Kong, Kong was the son. Son, of, son of Kong was made nine months after the original. Like they just rushed it out, and it's just. Not as good, obviously, I mean, but it's basically it's just forgotten. King Kong again. So what's Except, the timeline uh, of this film? I'm sorry. So, what of the of the franchise or yeah, like? Because how it was, long were they on the run for? That Gabe, they Gabe, able to Gabe oh, loves six. a good franchise Sorry. timeline breakdown. I do love a good franchise timeline. No, I mean, I don't know. King Kong Lives takes place over, I don't know. Oh, well, yeah, they must have been on the run for like yeah. nine months. I don't know. I don't know how a, quickly. King Kong baby. I don't know how quickly ape fetuses gestate, mate. Oh, Maybe mate, it's really fast. Uh, where's Damon when you fucking meet him? I know, we need a Um so I don't know, it's kind of a weird one because it's not – I wouldn't go so far as to call it a franchise because there's no real continuity. There was King Kong Lives in the 30s and then there were a couple of unofficial Japanese ones like King Kong vs. Godzilla and King sure. Kong Escapes, which weren't really sanctioned. Where does but again, Island fit into things? The well, new one. From, I think no, it's just a, no, the movie I mean. With yeah. Sam, the new one coming out. Yeah, the new one coming out. I think it's just a reboot, remake, total just reboot. like, hey, let's um, go to that island. But it looks, if anything, closer to the 70s one where there are no dinosaurs and it's like a military – it's like an oil drilling thing in the 70s one. Are you already hating it then? Look, I'm looking at it being like, as a King Kong fan, I watch it and like it. But see, I'm a really big fan of Peter Jackson's one because it is such a it's loving. Long. It's I, I, you know, yeah, it is. It's flawed. It's not perfect, but yeah. like, and it's I'm such not a, a big Naomi Watts person. 
I am. No, but she's um, okay. Mulholland Drive. She's just come fine. on. Yeah. yeah. Any, anytime I bring up Naomi Watts and how I'm not a massive fan of her, you always bring up Mulholland Drive. Yeah, because it's Drive. one of the best performances that. of all time. Yes, it it's is. amazing. What else? Incredible. Take in that, that movie out Who of cares? Resume. Well, you know what? You know what? When no. you give a performance as good as Naomi Watts in Mulholland Drive, you can pretty much give up. No, at that no, point you can't. What's her second best? What's her second best effort? of acting? What's I don't know, and I don't care. The ring. She's great in the ring. Haven't seen it. She's fine. Can I just say? We just got a rage zenith. He was so angry, he used the word zenith. <laughs> Pitch hasn't even started yet. Carney and I are going to have a great fucking time. Yeah, you're going to have a lovely time. I'm going to get quite passionate. I got really emotional writing this pitch, by the way. Okay. Maybe as, 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 as opposed to, to when you write any other pitch. Yeah, no. Do I'm, you ever write a pitch where you're not emotionally invested and, like, you can't do detached? No, I'm not detached. Do you no, ever, like, I mean. you heard me talk? You heard the Jessica Jones episode. Detachment I, isn't something I do. I'm listening to you now. You're red in the face and your arms are going everywhere, and we haven't even started. <laughs> I'll just wait till the pitch, mate. I'm going to lose my shit. I'm trying to think I've ever seen you write, because I've, I've seen you write quite a bit typing on your laptop. Have I seen you write a sad scene? Because you're quite a pounder of the keyboard. I pound when I'm writing sad scenes pound, too. You I'm pound getting out the sadness? Got to write out that emotion, mate. Okay. I'm a delicate little tapper. Yeah, but I, just so, yeah. so quickly on the note of the Peter Jackson one, um, I kind of like the fact that it's, it's such like a throwback to like old Hollywood yeah. sprawling adventure yeah. epics. It's, and and he, he made that. It goes for broke, and I I really like it. Well, there's all those interviews with him where he's talking about it, and when he made it, he's like, oh, I made it because I love the original King Kong, and I thought that the sequels were really disappointing when I saw them. Like, he talks about going to the cinema and being excited and being like, oh, we could do better. It's the only other good King Kong film apart from the original. I think it's a good four-star film, personally. I really I, like, I it. like it. I like it. The only knock on it that I really have, I mean, it has a lot of flaws, but you look past them all. It's just, it's, it is too long. It is too long. It's about 40 minutes too long. Now, you, did you see the musical that was in Melbourne? You know, I didn't. I did. Yeah. Can I say, so it? the musical, I've seen it. Um, it it's, a, it's a bit of a mess. It's a bit shit. It's, it's all over the place, but the Kong puppetry stuff. Pretty solid. Holy shit. Everything else. Yeah. There, there's this one song that's beautiful. Is it? The one with the two of them? It's one that she sings to him, the Full Moon Lullaby song. Yeah, that's so the only... She, sing, she sings him to sleep, basically. It's the only moment of, moment of heart in the whole thing. Gets to hear that, doesn't but it? But when it takes like five... I think it took like five years for them to make that puppet. Well, the, well, whole, the I, whole... I'm pretty... Because the whole stage... Show. They built the stage for it. Yeah. They went in and um, were like renovating the Regent Theatre stage for like months to yeah. get it to be right. And it's actually innov- innovatively, it is sensational. I think yeah. they've actually taken it overseas to like actually work on the... The story and the songs Good, and stuff. because the story needs a bit of work, but the visuals, amazing. Well, there's, no, there's not a problem with I the story. I didn't see it. Like, well, it. My issue is that the songs are written by like 12, there's 12 different artists writing all the songs. Uh, so yeah. for a musical, it's like- You need a singular vision. Correct. Yeah. You need a Gabe Bergmoser. Well, thanks, mate. I can't okay. write songs, though. Okay. Well, then someone better than Gabe Bergmoser. <laughs> <laughs> all right, come on, So Bergen. anyway, where this, where this pitch came from, it was- a couple of nights ago, and I was at the pub, and I was quite drunk, and we were texting about movie maintenance. Again, this and doesn't sound like Gabe at all. No, it's <laughs> totally out of character. But um, anyway, I was I was with a mate, and he was like, you know what you should fix on movie maintenance? You should fix King Kong Lives. And I was like, you don't fuck with perfection, mate. But then when I kind of thought about it, I was like, well, what if I sort of come up with a King Kong film? Like and a then King Kong Legacy? You know, originally that was the title I was going to go no, with. No, really? Sort of wow. But I'm actually not going to call it that, and I'll tell you why okay. as we get into this. Okay, so... I was kind of thinking about how to approach a sequel to King Kong, a sequel to the 33 original. And I didn't 
initially think sequel. I thought more what would my ideal King Kong film sure. be if I was yep. given the keys yep. to the franchise. And I decided to go with a direct sequel to the 33 original. And I was thinking a bit about why that's such a classic. I mean, when you think of King Kong, you think of the ape on the Empire State building, the woman in hand, the biplanes flying around it. I mean, that's what people remember about King Kong. People who haven't seen King Kong know that It's image. a love story. Anyway. Um, hang on, hang on. It, it is. It is, but I think. I think the Peter Jackson film, there's one thing I don't – it leaned too much into that. Like, there is a connection between Kong and Darrow, but, like, I I think the whole – I think calling it love story is going a bit too far. I think a connection is one thing. It's Beauty that Killed the Beast, mate. Yeah, it's, it's in the fucking film. Anyway, we'll get into that. Okay. Um, I hope okay. so. So, so you've gone for the thing we see, biplanes on the Empire State rolling adventure. No, 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 not, not so much. Actually, no, the exact opposite of that. Well, what I was going to say is okay. – hang on, I'm not finished. Bear with me. Bear with me, mate. What I was going to say is <laughs> that's kind of what people remember about the film. That's what people talk about. But the thing that kind of struck me when I was thinking about it is that it's an icon, but iconography is not enough to make a classic. What makes King Kong a classic is so much more than that. It's, like you said, it's the Beauty Kill the Beast thing. It's also the fact that it's a brilliant, classic, timeless adventure story. But it's got that, with the Beauty and the Beast element, it's got that classic, tragic sting where it's actually all about humans fucking over nature in pursuit of entertainment. So I kind of want to explore the consequences of that. I want to explore what happens to the people who live through this and what happens in the wake of that. I'm ignoring anything in the franchise except for the original. As much as I would like to include Son of Kong, it actually ends with Skull Island sinking into the sea, so that's not going to do because I need Skull Island. That said, I am going to include some elements from an unmade film from the 40s that the makers of King Kong worked on. I'll tell you a bit more about that once once the pitch is over because I don't want to give too much away, but it's quite amazing. And I thought, you know what, just keeping with, you know, being a bit of a purist about it, I can bring in elements from that. I think it works. It might not. This pitch is ridiculous, by the way. This is probably the silliest thing I've ever written, and I got so emotionally invested writing it. So I'm just fair warning. In in like sliding scale of silliness, is it? It's not your avatar. It's not your avatar. One to avatar two, does it sit? Um, like an eight and a half. It's probably kind of in between. It's um. <laughs> It's a little bit more ridiculous than Carney's Phantom, which was fairly okay. ridiculous. Mm. But it's not quite on the level of your Avatar 2. It's not really meta and insane. It's just... You, you'll see. Anyway, okay. you'll see. Um, <laughs> okay, so the film isn't called King Kong because King Kong is dead. And I didn't want to call oh? it Kong Legacy or anything because Kong doesn't really factor in it because he's he's dead. He fell off the Empire State Building. So the film not is called... I'm not going to give him a heart from a Lady Kong? I'm not going to give him a heart from a Lady Kong. The film is called Return to Skull. Did <laughs> Just put your dick away, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> the film is called Return to Skull Island. We're going to open on a shot of the island itself. It's a wild, stormy, dark night as it is wont to be on Skull Island. An intertitle comes up on the screen telling us it's 1934. We see several rowboats full of dark figures land on the beach. We see heavy leather boots hit the sand. We pan out to see, you guessed it, Nazis. <laughs> Guns in hand, they begin I, to move. I have to say, I didn't guess it, but I'm glad they're there. There they are. Well, I'm my, not glad they're there, but I'm on board. I anyway, know. my dick wasn't out before, but it is now. <laughs> it's just sort of sitting there like a damp slug. <laughs> so, the leader of the Nazis is a stern, skeletal faced man called Captain Schultz. He makes a gesture as men fan out to the forest, weapons at the ready. They move swiftly, quietly through the trees, eyes darting around for any signs of movement. From above, maybe a camera shot from above, we see their shapes making their way through the forest and then a roar. Schultz barks something in German. The order is relayed. A halt is called. Everyone stops. Another order. Weapons are readied. 
And then from all directions they come. Huge, snarling T-Rexes bursting through the trees, jaws snapping. The Nazis open fire, but there are just too many fucking dinosaurs. (laughs) Schultz, expressionless, backs away as he watches his men snapped up and eaten, running and screaming as the T-Rexes overrun them with ease. Without any obvious fear, Schultz turns and walks through the dark trees, away from the carnage. One T-Rex notices him. It looks up from the meal it made of one of the men and starts moving for him. Schultz, without looking back, starts to run. The Rex follows. Schultz bursts through the trees and runs down the empty beach towards the rowboats. The Rex is hot on his heels. Schultz dives into the boat and it moves just as the T-Rex reaches the beach. The Nazi composes himself and eyes on the Rex watching him. He starts to row. We cut to a bedroom. Young girl of about nine or ten lies in bed awake as she listens to yelling outside her room. We hear snatches, something from a man about how this is the best option, the only way they'll be left alone. Something from a woman asking how will, how will he explain it to his daughter. There's a moment of silence and the door opens. The man who enters is Carl Denham, the director who led the expedition in the first film, mm-hmm. the man responsible for Kong's rampage. He walks over and sits on the little girl's bed. Quietly, he tells her he has to leave and it's for the best. She sits up. Is this about the gorilla? He sighs. It's about daddy making a big mistake and trying to fix it. He ruffles her hair. Sean's on board. I will come back, he says. I promise. I won't ever abandon you. He kisses her on the head. Whispers that he loves her, then gets to his feet and leaves. And off the young girl's face, we cut to that of a woman, frowning as the memory plays out in her head. We pull back and we see that she's piloting a small plane. We pull back further, out from the plane, and we see the plane is approaching the expanse of New York City. An intertitle comes up, 1943. We cut inside a plush old-style office. There's a woman in her late 30s, blonde and strikingly beautiful, sitting behind the table of a large, balding man chomping a cigar. Now, this is like the quintessential 30s, 40s, sorry, Hollywood agent. I need ideas, Anne, he's growling. You've got capital. You're still a superstar, but you've been slumming it on Broadway for the last few years. I've been seeing newspaper articles. Whatever happened to Anne Darrow? The woman just looks at him and says she got tired. He says, Jesus, Anne, you ain't an old broad yet. You still got stuff to offer, and you'll always be the beauty that killed the beast. <laughs> Anne kind of looks at him and says, that's what I'm afraid of. Look, the man says, I'm making a push to get you in some new pictures. You could have been in Casablanca if you turned up to your meeting with the director. You might have given up on Anne Darrow, but I sure as hell ain't about to. All I ask is that you do your part. Go to the meetings. Pretend to be interested. Be an actress and act. Anne looks at him, forces a smile, gets to her feet and leaves. And we follow her out through the streets of New York. We see propaganda posters everywhere, soldiers walking about the place. It's the height of the war. And yet Anne seems kind of oblivious to all of it. She's troubled. She's deep in thought. So much that she doesn't notice a young woman from earlier following her at a distance. Anne arrives back at her plush penthouse apartment. She pours a glass of wine as Jack Driscoll, our hero from the original film, older, a little bit thicker in the middle, but still every inch the Hollywood superstar enters. He asks how the meeting was. Anne barely reacts. She sits down on the couch, drinking. Jack watches her. He's obviously a little concerned. I mean, he's not exactly a sensitive man. He's not really sure how to approach this. He asks if she's okay. She smiles and says, sure. Jack takes a deep breath. He's got something he wants to say. And he tells Anne that while he loves her and he wants to be with her forever, he can't keep living like this. Locked up in a gilded cage. He's a grunt. He's a working type. He always has been. Always liked to get things done. Was never afraid to get his hands dirty. And now there's a war going on and he thinks he's still got something to offer. Anne's a bit thrown by this. But she tells him she doesn't love the idea, but if that's what he wants, that's what he has to do. And we get the idea that there is some love and understanding here, no matter how different they are. Jack thanks her. He goes to make a drink. And the moment his back is turned, we see the terror on Anne's face. She's not totally disconnected. So Jack goes to the army office, and it turns out he's already arranged a meeting with an old buddy from World War I, a Colonel Jim Darrigan. 
And they sit in Darrigan's office and they shoot the shit for a bit. They talk about their time in the war and the krauts they killed and the dames they romanced. These guys are about as 1930s as it gets. But sooner or later, they're more they get 1930s into it. than the Hollywood agent. About the same. Yeah. You can imagine very <clears throat> comparable voices. But sooner or later, they get into it. Jack wants to join the war effort. What can Darrigan get him that's better than just a frontline grunt? Well, as it happens, Darrigan does have something in mind a top secret mission of great importance. Jack laughs at this. What top secret mission would need someone like him? One that you're singularly suited for, Darrigan says. And as Jack puts two and two together, his face falls. <laughs> Darrigan begins to explain the military needs to reach Skull Island. There is something they have to get from there, but they need a guide. Jack brushes this off. Why don't you get Captain Englehorn, anybody else who was there in 33? And Darrigan says, well, the crew of the ship all scattered into the winds after what happened in New York. Carl Denham famously vanished when the lawsuits started piling up. And Darrow pissed off the entire government by refusing to take anyone back there. And so far, Jack has backed her up. But now Darrigan tells him this is in the national interest. This isn't just about investigating or making a buck. Darrigan Brian Cranston, right? Yeah, good. Actually, yeah. Fuck yeah. Perfect. Jack shakes his head. There's no way, he says. Nothing will make him go back. That island is hell, he says. And if you know what's good for you, you'll stay well away. Back at the apartment, there's a knock at the door. Anne's received a visitor. It's a young girl from earlier. At first, Anne is suspicious, assuming she's just a crazy fan. But no, her name is Melanie Denham, and she believes Anne knew her father. <laughs> so Anne lets he her in. to her county. He didn't. He didn't come home. He didn't come home. Fucking prick. So Anne lets her in, and they talk. Melanie explains that after 33, with all the lawsuits, her father decided to vanish so that the family would be left alone. But of course, it wasn't that easy. Her mother relocated them to Europe to keep them away from all of this. But despite all his promises, Denham never returned. Melanie explains that she spent the last two years searching everywhere for him going to all the exotic locales he visited when filming, all the places he might have friends willing to protect him. There's only one place left. <laughs> Anne seems a little amused by this. What, do you think he would go back to Skull Island? He told me he had to fix a mistake, Mully says. Where else could he go to do that? Now, bear in mind, Anne is still a little old-fashioned, and she kind of brushes this off. She's like, Skull Island's no place for a young girl. Best to go back to Europe, find yourself a nice French husband, and, and Melanie just starts calmly listing off all the places she's been. South America. Africa, Australia, the jungles of Vietnam. She's survived all of them. All she wants is directions. Then Anne can forget about her. Mm -hmm. Anne watches her steadily for a moment, thinking. Then she gets to her feet and she walks into a study. Melanie follows. Anne opens a drawer in her desk and removes something. It's worn and battered. It's Denham's map to the island. She kept it. Melanie reached out a hand and asks for it. Anne smiles and says, there's one condition. We go together. Yeah, boy. Later, Jack arrives home to find Anne gone. At first, he assumes she's at a meeting, but she doesn't return. He starts to get concerned. He searches the house. He goes into a study. On the desk is a note. Just says, don't worry, my love. But Jack is clearly very worried. He starts searching the study. Finally, he opens one of the drawers, and he sees what's inside. Drawings. Piles upon piles of drawings. The island. Dinosaurs. Kong himself. So many of them. Jack had no idea. And as he stares over them all, wondering what it could mean, terrible realisation starts to settle in. We cut to Melanie's plane, flying over the ocean. It's a ramshackle old thing, but Anne actually seems kind of comfortable in it. Of course, like we have to remember that as much of a pampered movie star as she is, she has been through severe duress and she knows how to deal with this. Yep, she was carried by a gorilla up a building. That's it. And so they travel in silence for a while, and eventually Anne asks about the plane. Melanie explains that her father left a secret trust fund for her, and she's been using it to try and find him, investing in flying lessons, this plane, everything. But now it's running low meaning her chances of rescuing him are getting slimmer and slimmer. She doesn't have the money to do it anymore. Yeah. Rather bluntly, Anne kind of looks at her and says, do you really think he's still alive? Ooh. Melanie just says, I don't know, but I have to find out one way or another. 
Anne's a bit Fuck cold. you, Anne. Can I just say, I bet you, Carney, you're not Team Anne. No. Fuck no. No. You're Team Darrigan, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, it's Brian Cranston. It's hard not to be honest. Well, I believe there were some Nazis in the first scene. Now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, hold on to that there, mate. Um, oh. So Melanie says, I have to find him one way or another. Then she looks at Anne and says, that's my reason. What's yours? Anne shakes her head. She looks out the window. Melanie keeps talking. After what happened, I would have thought you'd never want to go back, that you'd want to forget. I mean, that monster, he wasn't a monster, Anne says. Mm. Love story. I'm team Anne now. (laughs) Silence. Melanie's a bit confused. He was an animal, Anne says. That's all, a big, simple animal. We took him away from his home, dragged him up on the stage to become some object of amusement, and he reacted the only way he could. And everybody says, oh, poor Anne, she suffered so much, and yes, it was terrifying. But the thing is, the thing nobody understands, he was gentle with me. He liked me. When he took me to the top of that building, he thought he was protecting me. Even after, thanks to me, he was dragged away from his home, even after he was shot at and chased, no matter how scared and confused he might have been, all he wanted to do was protect me. Anne exhales, I don't know what I expect to find, she says, but I've felt guilty and twisted up about it for years. I mean, I was only a naive, innocent girl, I know that, but your father should have known better. If we do find him, I want to tell him that. And if we don't, then maybe I'll find peace, Melanie says. Anne nods. They continue flying in silence. Early in the morning, the sun rises. Melanie wakes up Anne. Together they look ahead. And there it is, illuminated by the rising sun. A large island coming out of the ocean, fronted by a huge rock resembling a skull. A tall, twisting peak in the middle, reaching up into the clouds. Anne seems speechless as she looks once again at the place that turned her life upside down. Melanie, meanwhile, looks determined. They land the plane on a vast stretch of beach. The two women get out. Melanie checks that she has everything. Knives, guns, extra ammunition. She gives a pistol to Anne, who's a little thrown but takes it anyway. Together they walk up the beach and into the forest. For a while they walk in silence. Nothing is said as Melanie takes everything in. Meanwhile, Anne remembers her last time here. Then eventually she stops. I remember this place. She breathes. This is where we first came. Just through those trees is the village. The natives who gave me to him. Melanie raises her gun. All right, she says. Let's be careful. Slowly they move through the trees. They can see the village up ahead. Anne lifts her own gun, clearly terrified. They reach the edge of the forest and see the village and... It's abandoned. More than abandoned. Destroyed. The houses are broken wrecks. And among them all are... Anne claps a hand over her mouth. Bones. They're all dead, she says. What happens here? Serves them right for sacrificing young women to giant apes, I say. But in their defence, they were doing what they thought was right. Of course your team village savage. I'm just saying, like, there's this king. He's the king of the land. Yeah. If we're harking back to, you know, when he was still around. And they're like, well, we've got to keep him happy. The only we're going to get a happy. little bit into the, the why to... of the sacrificing and everything as okay. we go on. But, okay. um, but you know. Uh, I'm a, I'm a sucker for casting. Have you thought of any? Not really. Okay, then that'll be my job for the rest of the pitch then. All right, if you think of anything, let me know. Um, because all the original actors are dead. And it's not a sequel to the remake, so we can't really use them. Can't use um, Adrian Brody, for it's instance? It's a very different Jack, Jack Driscoll. Yeah, okay, sure. Like, he so was a playwright like, in the is remake. someone like Richard Armitage? It could, yeah, it could be. It, it didn't see that, was it? No, it didn't. Yeah. It, it took me a moment. Because like, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm racking my brains for Anne Darrow, and I just keep, like, imagining Jessica Rabbit but with blonde hair, and it's not helpful. <laughs> no, not at all. Or, or Kim Anne Darrow could be, hang on, Cersei Lannister. 
Lena Headey. Lena Headey. Huh. Yeah. Bit older, bit of a lush. Yeah. Bit not of an acid act- tongue. Not sold on her as an actress, though. No, she's she's good, but I, I think she's too mean. I've seen her play villains and stuff. She's good, provided the script is good. And, I mean, well, you never know what the script's going to be like when it's written by Gabe Bergman. Uh, thanks, mate. Anyway. Um, Sorry, we're just... We're that's all right. Yeah. So oh, I smell Nazi activity. I'm just wait. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, do you? Considering it's happened earlier, mm. You're a genius. <laughs> I have a feeling that Nazis <laughs> might be involved in some capacity. I don't know. So bones are everywhere. What happened here? Anne says, and as if in answer, they hear a rustling from the trees. Mm. Run, Melanie whispers, and they do through the remains of the village. As we see entering behind them, several giant spiders. <sighs> Fucking hell! They crawl over the building, searching for life, scuttling about the place. Ducking behind a building, Anne and Melanie watch. And Anne is now grim-faced and Melanie's now terrified. What are those things? The young woman says. Anne just kind of looks at her. Welcome to Skull Island, she says. <laughs> the trailer. spiders are getting closer. Yeah, that's it. That's the trailer. Yeah. 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 Spiders are getting closer. Melanie's hand tightens around the gun. If they run, they'll be seen. If they stay put, the spiders will reach them. And then from out of the trees, a huge, monstrous, almighty roar. A roar that makes Anne's eyes go wide. No. She whispers. The spiders vanish back into the trees. The roar comes again. Melanie tugs on Anne's sleeve, telling her they have to go. Instead, Anne walks out into the remains of the village. She's looking towards where the roar came from. She stands still, watching, expecting. And then somebody emerges from the trees. It's a young, dark-skinned woman, dressed in rags and holding a bow and arrow. Hurry, she says in heavily accented English. They won't be gone for long. Bewildered Anne and Melanie follow her, exchanging a quick concerned glance. They hurry through the trees, up and up the slope until they reach a cave hidden by branches. The girl guides them in. Who are you? Melanie asks. My name is Zola, she says, and you should not be here. How do you know our language? Anne asks. Zola ignores her. (laughs) She seems to be pulling the branches back to place. (laughs) Fuck you, Anne. We're looking for someone, Melanie says. My father. You can't just ask people (laughs) how they know your language. Um... (laughs) We're looking for someone, Melanie says. My father, my name is Melanie Denham. This is Anne Darrow. Sola pauses. She looks back at them. Denham, she mutters. You know the name, Melanie says. Everyone on this island knows the name, Melanie says. Well, they did. They're all dead now. The villagers, Anne asks. How? What happens when you take away the apex predator, Melanie asks. When the top of the food chain vanishes, the rest of the food chain moves to take its place. Uh... Which means chaos. Which means war. Skull Island has been a living hell ever since your father took away its king. And in wars, there are casualties. Why the sacrifices? He kept them safe. Keep the king happy. I've never thought of it like that. Take away the king and what would have happened on Skull Island. Yeah, it, 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 it would have fallen apart. It's fucked up. Well, Because he was keeping the dinosaurs in check. He was keeping, so basically by removing the king, there's a power vacuum of monster on Skull Island. And the yeah. villagers were just like, yeah, fuck yeah, this shit. Hey, spiders, can we sacrifice women to you? No, you just ate all our children. Okay. Uh, spiders aren't... Go back to the chief. What's wrong? Yeah, spiders aren't listening to the reason box. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Fuck. Um, all right. You're the last one, Melanie says to her. And she kind of pauses thinking. You don't talk like a native, she says. When we came here 10 years ago, none of them spoke English, Anne says. When you came here 10 years ago, all of them were alive, Zola replies. She's sassy. Much has she changed. Sa- also, can I say, Anne's been so. an arsehole to her. Yeah, right. So, hey, speak yeah. our language. Fuck off, bitch. <laughs> so Zola walks to the back of the cave and she starts just like very efficiently gathering up supplies, a couple of bags of food, more arrows, a few knives. What are you doing, Melanie asks. Zola turns to her. Well, the only way you're leaving is if we find your father, Zola says. 
Last I heard, he was headed to the peak. Place my people never went. The place Kong himself left alone. That's where we're going. I didn't ask you to help us, Melanie says. No, Zola replies, but that's what you people do. You ask, and when we say no, you take. I'm helping you with my own volition, because otherwise you won't leave. And if you came looking for denim, that means others will. So he was here, Melanie says. In answer, Zola just pulls the branches aside and gestures for them to follow. Melanie and Anne glance at each other and hurry after her. But wait, Anne says, the, the roar. Was that? Zola just points. Hidden in the foliage beside the cave is a huge bone horn. <laughs> From up here, I can see the town. I can see where the monsters approach, Zola says. The only thing that keeps them at bay is the memory of their long dead king. <laughs> that at least I can fake. Anne just stares at the horn. She closes her eyes, takes a deep breath and follows as the three of them walk into the jungle. Out on the ocean, a boat is approaching. Standing at the stern is Jack, watching the island come nearer. After a moment, Darrigan joins him. Well, you let us through, the colonel says. Now you just have to get us through the island alive. I need to find Anne, Jack says. Oh, that too, Darrigan replies. Hmm. But you need to understand there are more important things at play here than wayward women. Well, it would help if you could tell me what that is, Jack growls. Use your head, Darrigan snaps. This island is populated by dinosaurs, by insects the size of cars and apes bigger than buildings. If the theory of evolution is true, then none of them should exist. Something on this island makes things endure. Our scientists studied Kong after the fall. You know how old he was? 800. No beast or man lives that long. Something on this island kept these things alive. Something keeps things preserved and powerful. Our theory is it's a kind of plant. The herbivores eat it, the carnivores eat the herbivores, and they last. Now you tell me. He looks at Jack. Can you think of someone who might like the idea of living for a millennium? <laughs> and off Jack's and troubled... And off Jack's troubled expression, we cut to a large, luxurious office. From behind, we see a man furiously writing at an oak desk. And hanging in front of him is an enormous swastika. <laughs> the door opens and Captain Schultz enters. Mein Fuhrer, he says. The man at the desk turns. It's Adolf Hitler. We are almost here, Schultz says. I suggest you prepare. Thank you, Captain, Hitler says. He goes back to his writing. <laughs> what the fuck was that little dance, Carney? Carney just... It was like this expression of pure glee where you just waved your arms about a bit. No, you know, he's, Hitler's a terrible person. And we can um, smile. So, but if we were smiling... We'd look like me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hitler, so, Hitler. Hitler goes back to his writing. Yep. The camera follows Schultz out of the office into a long steel hole. Past Schultz it moves. Up the stairs, out into the cool ocean air until we realise we're looking at a German U-boat. And as we pull further out, it's not just one. It's a fleet. And the sky above is thick with zeppelins. <laughs> and as we take in this incredible sight, the camera turns around and we see, in the distance, the unmistakable shape of Skull oh, Island. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Wowie. Back in the forest... <laughs> And Melanie and Zola are having a rough time of it. Now, this this can go on for a while, but I didn't want to get too bogged down in this stuff. So yeah, get back to the, the Nazis. We see the three of them chased by T-Rexes. We see them narrowly escape. You're far too keen on Nazis. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know, right? No, they're just, they're good, you know, they're good villains. <laughs> anyway, look, I agree yeah, with Charlie to an extent. I'm using them. People? I don't. I don't have the same <laughs> no, no, no. passion for them he does, but anyway. Yeah, his, his erection's moving the table. It's really weird. <laughs> like, I'm trying to kind of, you know... Keep my mic balanced here, but it's not working. So we see the three of them. They're getting chased by T-Rexes. They're narrowly escaping. We see another running with spiders. Maybe Melanie falls into their pit and she's rescued in the nick of time by Zola. Imagine a few of these encounters as they work their way higher and higher up the central peak. Yep. 
And as they go, they start to talk. Around the campfire, we learn a bit more about them and they learn a bit more about each other. Anne discusses her faltering career, which is fascinating and totally foreign to Zola. Melanie talks about her adventures, searching for her father, maybe regales them with a few sort of exciting, fun yarns. And Zola reveals what we all suspected. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The very person who taught her English was Carl Denham. Yep. Who came here 10 years ago, lived with the natives, saying he wanted to make amends. His plan was to prepare them for if man ever came back and caused more damage. Okay. Problem was, he couldn't prepare them for the damage he'd already caused. Mm. And he blamed himself, Zola says, for everything. Anne smiles sadly and shakes her head. It wasn't just him, she says. It was all of us. None of us stopped it. None of us were good enough. Me, Carl, Jack, we all failed. Back at the beach, Jack has arrived with Darrigan and his boat of US soldiers. Together they disembark. Jack is itching to go. He wants to find Anne. Darrigan, however, wants a more solid plan. He wants to prove this plant is here, if it exists, and then secure the island in case the Nazis do come here. Jack doesn't care about any of that. He just wants Anne found. And so the group set off into the forest. Now, like before, we're going to see a few different incidents. Unlike Melanie's group, there's only three of them moving quietly, there are a lot of people here, and they're brash, boisterous, loud US soldiers. They draw attention very fast. Is it basically like uh, that sequence in The Lost World where, like, Vince Vaughn... Yes, ...and exactly. all those guys are trekking through exactly. and they all get picked off? One and, by one. And, look, is Captain Shields basically, if he was still alive, Pete Postlethwaite? Oh, nice. I was thinking more like, um, like, uh, fuck, what's his name escaping me? Um, Tarkin from Star, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Peter, yeah. Fuck, I should know this. From what? Yeah. From Star Wars. Yeah, Ramoth Peter, Tarkin. Peter, oh, yeah, Peter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter, 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 That's lost me. Um, Peter Pettigrew. Fuck, I can't think of his surname. I should know this. He's anyway, a guy. Yep. um, have you got it? So, skull faced British man. Yep. Playing a Nazi. Do you know who could play Hitler? Gary Oldman. Yes, actually, yes. You know what? He's perfect for my Hitler. Gary right. Oldman is Hitler in this film. All right. Okay. Is, so, is it based on his performance as Dracula? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a mustache. Um, so, anyway, like before, we'll see a few different incidents. Brash, boisterous US soldiers, they draw attention very fast. It's not long before Jack and Darrigan and the rest are fighting for their lives against the monsters here. And it's brutal. As the group get more and more decimated, they get deeper and deeper in, it starts to become clear just how out of their depth they are. If Skull Island was ever friendly at all to mankind, it's not anymore. The monsters reign now. Meanwhile, Melanie, Zola, and Anne are nearing the peak. 
It's cold up here. It's hidden in the clouds. As they climb steeper and steeper up the mountain, Zola tells them, be careful, they don't like invaders. Anne frowns. Who's they? She asks. And the moment she does, a piercing shriek fills the air. Everyone flinches as from overhead, swooping low, comes an eagle the size of a plane. They can all only stare as a magnificent creature circles above them and disappears back into the clouds. Well, Zola says, now they know we're here. She gestures and they keep walking. And as they enter the cover of the clouds, they see exactly what Zola means by they. Up here, at the very peak of Skull Island, perched on the top of an unforgiving mountain is a village. And not just any village. The people here are nothing like the natives. The people here wear furs and have beards. Those not in furs are wearing armour. And most common are very distinctive helmets. Helmets bearing curved horns. Oh, fucking yes. Hang on, hang on. Gabe, are you telling me that your your, your film features dinosaurs, enormous spiders, Nazis and Vikings? Yes. (laughs) You know when you said that this might be your greatest pitch yet? I'm leaning towards yes. All right. Yes, it is. Hold on. Carry on. Prepare yourself. You can end the film here and I'm I'm buy 30 tickets. Prepare yourself. Several of the men and women, all with the helmets, many with swords and spears and bows, they start approaching their their warry. Zola raises her hands and indicates for Anne and Melanie to do the same. And from above, another screech. They look up to see the sky above the mountain is full of the enormous eagles circling, keeping watch. And most of them have people on their backs. Oh, boy. Oh, fuck yes. It's like a dick lord. He only had like 10. So, down on ground level, things are not going well. Jack and Darragon are down to about three other men. You can chart their path through corpses now. And Jack, who did not want to return to the island for this exact reason, has had enough. He confronts Darragon. There's more to this, he snarls. There is more to what is going on here. This isn't just some guess that Hitler might want the island. You know something. We have to be sure, Darragon protests. But Jack isn't having any of it. What do you know? He says. You didn't send men to their deaths on the off chance. The other survivors chime in. They're agreeing with Jack. There's a lot of anger now. Darragon is cornered and finally he takes a deep breath and he tells the truth. Our leaders were weak, he says. It took a long time to decide to face Hitler. As you know, Britain had a policy of appeasement. They let him have countries. Except he didn't only want countries. As Darragon speaks, we see on the other side of the island the approaching U-boats and zeppelins. Darragon continues. Hitler asked for something very particular, something that was easy to give, something our own government were too focused on building armies to see the importance of. We see the boats hit the sand, followed by the boots and many, many Nazi soldiers. In the middle, surrounded by bodyguards, shorts at his side, stands Hitler. He surveys the island, his lip curls into a smile. (laughs) Something, Darragon says, that when the British asked us for it, we gave without question. Something we only realised the value of when it was far too late. Behind Hitler, something is dragged up onto the sand. A huge metal box. The Nazis surround it. Guns at the ready. Darrigan looks Jack in the eye, his expression miserable, his voice pleading. We made a terrible, terrible mistake, he says. And now we have to fix it. Hitler faces the box and barks an order. From within the box comes a low, deep rumbling, a rumbling that becomes a roar. Some of the soldiers step back, and then the box shakes and is ripped apart from the inside out. Something emerges from the wreckage, something huge, something that has the Nazi soldiers frozen in awe, something wrapped in chains that slowly stands, towering over the men. Only Hitler seems unafraid. He watches his prized possession with a smile as the cowed beast looks down at its master. The king is dead, Hitler says. Long live the king. 
and Kong's mighty roar echoes through the forests of Skull Island once more. Ahoy! Holy fucking shit! (laughs) So, I I can okay. So we've all seen the Fifth Element, right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't. No, you know the you know the like. Gary Oldman in The Fifth Element. Yeah. I could just see that version of him, but with yeah. the little moustache, just being like, long lives the king. It's, it's, it has to be him. Cool. Yeah, good. So, we hear the roar. Hang on, hang on. Okay. Did the American government give Hitler King Kong? Yes. He was dead. He did some Nazi science. It's fine. Hang on, hang on. But So, King Hitler's like, I will not blow up this country if you give me the monkey. A dead monkey. Yep. And they, they oh, sat, sat down, whoa, whoa, church whoa, whoa, was whoa, gone. Wait. What is it the monkey for? I don't know. Just give it to him. How'd it fit in the box? It's a big it's fucking, big fucking box, box. Oh, how big are we talking? Like, a really big box. For some reason I thought he brought out like a, chesa- uh, like a treasure chest. No. no, no, no. Like huge. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. We're talking, okay. like, okay. We're talking okay. like, you know, Jurassic Park style. Gets like four shipping big containers. Big one. I gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Oh. So the raw And it bows to him. Huh? It bows to him. It doesn't bow. It just stands. It's a polite nod of the head. Yeah. No, not a nod, but just subservient. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I want a cowed head. I want to. Yeah, right. Why not? Like a curtsy. <laughs> Fuck. Because why not? Yeah. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> so, back in the forest, we hear the roar. Jack backs away from Darrigan, staring at him in horrified disbelief. What have you done? He says. Up on the mountaintop, the Vikings have surrounded Zola, Melanie, and Anne. But all of them once hear the roar. And Zola, who knows the difference, looks towards it. That was not my horn, she says. <laughs> Meanwhile... <laughs> Jack Darrigan and the last survivors. I'm not even going to let you follow that up, Tom. Stop your, stop your, stop your childish giggling, mate. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, come on, grow up, mate. It's a very sorry, mature mate. podcast. Um, <laughs> hang on. Okay, yeah, sure, mate. Anyway, it's a real um, serious yeah. film, Goss. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack Darrigan and the last survivors have now reached a higher point. Yeah. Partly up the mountain. It's a cliff. From here, they can see the beach. They can see the U-boats, the Zeppelins, and they realize what has happened. Yeah. I think we're somewhat outgunned, Jack tells Darrigan. We need to move. We're not going to find out if we're dead. We make for the mountain. Up on the peak, Anne is staring back the way the roar came. Melanie, meanwhile, doesn't care. She steps towards the tallest Viking with the biggest horns, obviously the chief. My name is Melanie Denham, she says. I'm looking for my father. The Viking stares at her for a moment and very simply says, your father is dead. Oh. Back on the beach, the Nazis know. have entered the forest. I don't believe it. Nah. Kong leads the way. His hands and feet are chained, but something has happened. He follows Hitler's directions like a faithful dog. Whatever they did to them in their secret labs, he's now completely subservient. They reach a clearing in the trees and are met with roars as five T-Rexes emerge <laughs> from the forest on the other side. They're sort of waiting there, watching them. Hitler commands his men to remove Kong's chains. One of them asks if that's a good idea. Hitler laughs. When you break a dog, the dog is yours, he says. You just have to know how to do it. You have a real creepy Hitler voice, Gabe. I think Hitler needs a creepy Hitler voice, personally. Yeah. Gary Oldman. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The chains are broken, and Hitler very simply nods at Kong. And Kong charges. And now we get a monster brawl. In the original film, Kong struggled with one T-Rex. In the remake, he struggled with three. This time, he takes on five, and it is unbelievable. He is faster, stronger, more vicious than ever before. He smacks them down, he breaks bones, he bites throats, and finally, only two battered, weakened T-Rexes are left. They back away from Kong, low down, and return to the shadows of the jungle. The enormous ape watches after them coldly, and Hitler is delighted. Then you pull the strings of the king, 
What does that make you? Hitler says. A god. Meanwhile, Jack and Darrigan have reached the top of the mountain. Melanie's still dealing with the knowledge about what happened to her father, and Anne sees Jack approaching through the clouds and runs to him. He's angry and confused, but for now he just hugs her, then he turns to the others. The Nazis are here, he says. We have to act. Inside the chief's hall, Darrigan relays everything. The rare plant Hitler seeks. Selling the Nazis Kong. What is actually at stake? He relays it all to the Viking chief, who watches coldly and passive. We've lived here in peace for centuries, he says. Never once joining your wars. What matters it to us if one country defeats another? We will remain forgotten. It matters because one is evil, Jack says. It matters because the man down there is a monster who has done unspeakable things. It matters because he will not rest until everything is under his rule. And if you think you with your eagles will escape that, you, sir, are very much mistaken. The chief peruses Jack for a moment, considering. Then he says, it's a fine speech. Yet if the roles were reversed, I suspect that they would say something very similar. I don't know anything about your conflicts or your wars. I know not the circumstances that led to this or the truth behind your words. All I know is that we've been safe here and here we will remain. If they come, we'll fight them off. Smart Viking. So, just while we're talking about the lead Viking, he is Tormund from Game of Thrones. Yes, obviously. yes, he oh, is. Perfect. Um, Wouldn't like a better strategy just be like, do you want to rape and pillage? Come with us. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to rape an entire country? They're pretty bad. They're uh, pretty peaceful Vikings. They just like to be left alone. Oh, okay. And Jack, Jack has no time for this. They have to get back to the other Seems side like of the a island. Contradictory statement. Peaceful Vikings, but oh, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Like. Um, they're kind of the Pete's dragon of Vikings. Are you just saying that so when Goose listens to this, he gets angry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you prick. The definition of a shit-eating grin is on your face <laughs> right now. Do you know what? Okay, so people are always like, oh, you've got a shit-eating grin on your face, and yeah. it's like something good. It'd be fucking awful. You're eating shit. Yeah, it's You're so fucking happy. I don't understand the, the origins of it, mate. <laughs> I'm just, I've just got one. I don't know. Anyway, Jack, so Jack has no time for this. We have to get back to the other side of the island, back to the boat so we can warn the mainland. It's their only chance. If they can send an army before Hitler finds his secret plant, then maybe they can win. He turns to Anne. Are you coming? He says. Anne looks at him, and she looks back in the direction of that roar, and she nods. Jack turns to Melanie. And you? She shakes her head. There are tears in her eyes. Not yet, she says. Jack doesn't have time to question. With Anne, Darrigan, and the others in tow, he departs. Melanie, side by side with Zola, watches after them. And the chief joins the two young women. Your father died saving my son from one of the spiders. The kid wanted to prove himself he was stupid. Your father sacrificed himself. We threw him himself. off the mountain. He's, he's dead now. <laughs> Your father sacrificed himself to make sure my son lived. Melanie turns to him, thinking, What sort of man was my father? A good man, the chief said, who did a bad thing and wanted penance. Melanie points down through the clouds. Down there are bad men. If my father meant anything to you, trust me. They will not rest until they cover the whole mountain. They will come for you. Skull Island will be no more. I'm sorry that my father brought this to your door. I am on his behalf. But if this place is to have a future, you must defend it. And if what you say about my father is true, you are in his debt, which puts you squarely in mine. Like it. And off the chief's considering face, we return to Hitler. And he's loving this. Kong keeps roundly defeating all the monsters in his way. The ones that don't just leave. And across the island, maybe we can have like a pan shot and we get the sense that something instinctual has taken over. Some balance has shifted. The king has returned and the island is remaking itself around him. Then one of Hitler's scouts arrives and tells Schultz he's just seen people coming down the mountain. Small party of six and they're not natives. Ah, the Americans, Hitler says with a smile. (laughs) Trying to find what I seek. But let's show them the might of Germany. Descending the mountain, Jack is trying to get answers out of Anne. Why, he says, why did you come here? Anne can't explain. She tries to, but the words aren't there, not for what she seeks. 
And Jack, for all his goodness, is just a simple man. He's at a loss to know why she would leave her perfect life. She had everything she ever wanted. And for what? For the place that's haunted both of their nightmares? Anne opens her mouth to reply. Then they hear it. The distant rustling of trees. The thumping of heavy feet. Run, Jack yells. They do, but it's too late. Soldiers have hemmed them in from all directions. Within minutes, a small party is surrounded. Nazi soldiers all through the trees, weapons aimed. They march back through the trees towards the cliff where earlier Jack and Darrigan saw the approaching boats. And on the cliff, looking resplendent as fuck, stands Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Dragon, Dragon, he just gets ready. He's like, oh, it needs to look resplendent as fuck. <laughs> that is how it must look. That is how you take the photographs. And he's looking, he's proud, he's glorious. He's watching his captives. Yeah. You are too late, he says. The island belongs to Germany. <laughs> the island belongs to its king. Anne snarls. Hitler's sneer grows. And who owns the king? From behind Hitler, the trees move and out comes Kong. Jack grabs Anne, but she pushes him away. She's transfixed. Tears are in her eyes. She can't believe this. After all her pain, all her guilt, the beast is alive. And Kong sees Anne. And for a moment, something crosses his face, something outside of the monstrous brainwashing the Nazis performed, something old and long forgotten. Beast and the beauty that killed it look at each other from across the clearing. Anne smiles through her tears. Hello, she says gently. And Hitler, meanwhile, has noticed none of this. You see, he says, even nature must bow to the will of the Third Reich. The natural order has placed Germany in its rightful position. You must understand that you will fail. All your efforts have been in vain. It is now time to accept the inevitable. Accept or be crushed. Never, Jack snarls. Hitler, unconcerned, looks at Kong. Beast, he says. Kill. But Kong can't look away from Anne. Oh. I said kill, Hitler snarls. The gorilla does not move. Attack, Hitler shrieks. And Kong does. With an almighty roar, he turns, and suddenly the Nazis are fleeing as the king of Skull Island that they dared to think was theirs protects the woman he once gave his life for. Some of the Nazis open fire, but it's no good, not against this stronger, more dangerous Kong. Jack drags Anne to cover, and Hitler cannot believe his eyes. He backs away into the trees. More soldiers start pouring up from below, weapons in hand. Hitler smiles. The beasts can't last against this, not alone, not for long. And then from above, a piercing oh, shriek. Yes. And suddenly, Vikings. swooping from the peak of the cloud-covered mountains, the eagles come, Vikings on their backs, shooting arrow after arrow down to the Nazis. The eagles are swooping, grabbing soldiers in their talons as hell <sighs> rains down from above. And yeah. Kong, with a mighty blow, discards the Nazis that surround him. He stands up to his full height, and as eagles swoop and circle around him, he lets out a huge, terrible roar. And from below, as the Nazis try to flee, the dinosaurs come, and the spiders. Yes! And Skull Island turns on those who would try to own it. And the Nazis are falling fast. From the boats come tanks, but they're swiftly engaged by the T-Rexes from the trees, flipping them over, ripping them open. Up above, the Zeppelins are being torn apart by the huge eagles. Their bullets no match for the speed and precision of the Vikings and their mounts. Hitler, from his spot on the cliff, sees all of this. He turns and he runs into the trees. Kong doesn't notice. He's still ripping his army apart. And then Hitler re-emerges. In his hands is a rocket launcher. (laughs) And with gritted teeth... He raises it and aims it at Kong. Go back to the hell from whence you came. (laughs) He spits. As 
from the trees runs Anne Darrow. Oh, Don't you fucking do Jack it. screams, but the woman who let Kong sacrifice himself for her no. is not about to repeat the mistake that haunted her. Fuck. Beauty runs in front of her beast. Hitler only has a moment to register as Anne slams into him and takes both of them off the edge of the cliff. Oh, wasn't where I thought it was going. I no, thought she was going to take the rocket, yeah, forward. and blow up. But that's yep. it's actually thought, pretty fucking. Yeah, intense. no, I was thinking stupid plan, Anne, but it's smarter. She tackled Hitler. Good, <laughs> yeah. good, good, good. Yep. Good thing we're not Anne. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everything goes silent. Kong sees them go over. He stares. Jack falls to his knees, crying after her. And Kong goes fucking. Mental. Does he go ape? Does, <laughs> Does he go bananas? <laughs> it's done. The Nazis are done. If Kong was flogging them before, now he's eviscerating them. Yep. He is tearing down the slopes, smashing them against rocks, stepping on them, slaughtering. Above the eagles are taking down the last of the zeppelins. The remaining Nazis are trying to reach the boats, but the ones still on land belong to the spiders and the dinosaurs. The ones that have reached the water are being shot at by the Vikings as the burning remains of the zeppelin plunges into the turbulent water around Skull Island. Holy fucking shit. It's over. Shit. Hitler is done. His forces are done. The creatures retreat back into the forest. Melanie and Zola have reached the cliff, where Jack stands alone, staring down where Anne fell. Jack takes a deep breath, closes his eyes and whispers something. Then he turns to Zola and Melanie. The Nazis will regroup, he says. Even without their Fuhrer, the war is ongoing. If there were any survivors, they'll keep this quiet. I have to get back to the mainland. The government have to know the Fuhrer has fallen. I'm sorry, Melanie says. Jack kind of pauses and he looks at her. She's at peace, he says. So is your father. It's time to move on. Then he vanishes into the trees with Darrigan. Melanie stares after them, thinking. She turns to Zola. Zola kind of looks at her for a moment, considering. Then she says, you know, there is no plant. Nothing that kept them alive for so long. Then how, Melanie asks. How has the island stayed this way? Zola kind of looks at her and looks out over the trees and says, because man didn't interfere. Because it was allowed to remain as it was. The men that were here respected it. Melanie looks at Zola for a moment and says, there's nothing left for you here. Come with me. Where? Zola asks. Melanie smiles. Anywhere, she says. Whole world out there. Adventures to have, places to see. Do they kiss? Zola considers her and then nods. They say the goodbyes to the Vikings. Melanie thanks the chief. They return to the plane. Zola's confused by it initially, but she takes Anne's place in the cockpit as Melanie takes off. They fly up into a sky still thick with crying eagles. They circled the island, both of them looking out over it. Zola saying goodbye to the only home she ever knew, Melanie to the father she now knows was a good man, despite everything she heard. And as they soar into the sunset, the king of Skull Island emerges onto the cliff and lets out his victorious roar. He is home. <laughs> the end. Oh, boy. No, well done. No, well done. No, 10 out of 10. Um, yep, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd do again. Oh, there you go. Anyway, that, that was my King Kong. Holy shit. It's a bit of a dull affair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah isn't it, yeah, I think there needs to be more um, absurdist historical figures fighting one another. Um, <laughs> it's, a bit of, it's a bit of a quaint sort of tea time drama. Like, yeah. Uh, Darrigan shouldn't survive the fight. No, no. I, 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 I wrote the whole thing today. I didn't really have enough time to yeah, play it yeah, through. At the end, you said he walks off with Darrigan. I'm like, oh, he's still alive. Yeah, and nothing nah. happened to Schultz either, who I was like oh, setting yeah, up yeah, to be yeah. like the. Well, I feel like Darrigan, Darrigan and Schultz need to have a fight, and oh, Darrigan fuck kills. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was thinking maybe Kong just like bites Schultz's head off or something, or maybe yeah. steps on Darrigan accidentally when Darrigan gets in the way. No, nah, I think I think Darrigan needs to go down as a hero because he, he fucked up, and he's, again, it's yeah. all about fucking up and trying to redeem yourself. So I think Darrigan needs to like. Die protecting Zola or Melanie or something. Because Zola and Melanie aren't there for the final fight. Because I just couldn't find a way to work them in organically. Because I was like, they get they an fly eagle. eagles. Eh, they wouldn't really know how. 
they can't use the planes. It's not really a it's not really a war plane, and it wouldn't be much good against Zeppelins and Eagles. Kind of get a bit in the way. They're not going to go down there and fight the Nazis. They could on they could level. go down in like eagle claws and they get dropped down to like just join the fight that way. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they're both um, pretty proficient. Yeah, they could do that. And then basically they could t- they could have to take down Schultz together. Yeah, actually, yeah, go with that. They take down Schultz together. They join the fray and they both fight hand to hand combat with the Nazis. Melanie with her like revolver, Zola with her bow and arrow and her spears. Yeah, did you yeah. say before was playing Schultz? Pete Possel's like he couldn't remember the name of the actor. I feel like no, I couldn't remember the name of the yeah the it Star needs Wars. To be guy. Like, it needs to be like a bigger like a, an imposing. Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing. He's like your physical threat in the movie. Yeah, yeah. He's the one who has like the big fights in it at the end, whereas Hitler. Well, see, because in I my head, like Hitler suffers enough. Yeah, I did think that. I was like, because I mean, you in your Phantom Pitch, you had him like physically ripped apart. Yeah. So what if um, what if what if Kong gets... rip him apart? Yeah. Like, um, now, what if like, the, so what I if like, I like Anne sacrificing herself yeah. to save Kong because that's what Kong did in the first one. You could you could have a nice moment where like a sting after the credits because I love a good sting after the credits where so. It cuts and like Hitler's still alive. He's survived the call of the cliff and he's like crawling along with like, I will have vengeance in it. And, and it's not Kong. Stepped on. And he just like, he's like crawling and then he's like puts his hand in something and it's squishy and he looks up and he's just like crawled into like a nest of spiders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that could be go, cool. And just out of here, you just hear like, nine, nine, nine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he gets caught in the web when he falls. Yeah. And they all like, Eat but, but I mean, I know, uh, does that kind of take away from Anne's sacrifice yeah, it does. a bit? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. It a little bit, yeah. Maybe maybe Hitler doesn't have. I mean, I love the idea of Hitler with a rocket launcher. No, nah, it's got to be Hitler. She's got to kill Hitler. Yeah. yeah. Hey, he, well, does she? Yep. Uh, it could be Schultz with it the could rocket be Schultz launcher. With the, I mean, she still does the. It sacrifice. might be a kill your darlings case because I just love the idea of Hitler with a rocket launcher. But at the same time, if it's Schultz with the rocket launcher and maybe Kong, because I mean, it's it's sort of fitting that Kong rips Hitler apart because Hitler's turned him into this subservient. But beast maybe thing. maybe you need that moment of like that sort of all is lost moment where it looks like the bad guys are going to win, and it's Hitler firing off a rocket at Kong, and it hits him, and maybe it doesn't kill him. I don't know why. It's a rocket. He's stronger now. It's he's yeah. stronger now. Maybe he's um maybe Kong loses an arm. I don't I know. See, I really like this idea of of her tackling Hitler off the cliff. Yeah, because this is what I like to do. Uh, casting. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, got Gary Oldman. So Gary Oldman's Hitler. We don't want to go with um what's what who do we have in the Phantom? Um, Kenneth Branagh. I think nah. Gary Oldman's better. I think Gary Oldman's better for this one. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> no, I agree. Um, so I was thinking for Jack, right? So he's got a bit of a rough and tumbly type. Yeah. What about like a Chris Pine? Mm, he's older. Though. He's got to be older. Yeah, not older. older. Yeah. Like, I think Jack would have Chris been pushing Pine forty in the first film. Yeah, Chris Pine. But even like, I imagine Luke Jack. Evans? I don't think he's gruff enough, or you know, thick around the middle enough. Anthony Starr. Anthony Starr. Nah. He needs to be like a real matinee idol type. I mean, yeah. John John Hamm is too suave. I think. I was going to say John Hamm. Um, John Hamm could play denim. Yeah, uh, Kyle Chandler. Yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, no, he's got. He's, he actually yeah. looks. I'm, in fact, I'm pretty sure. Didn't Kyle Chandler play the actor in the remake who was the Jack Driscoll stand-in? Yes, I think he did. Who was like a send-up of the Jack yeah, from the original yeah, film? I'm sure, yeah, yeah, Kyle Chandler. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Cool. Done. Right. Chandler. Uh, are we going with um, Lena Headey for Anne? I reckon we go. See, I, I'm. It's like Kim I think Basinger you want someone warmer. See, I Lena was quite happy quite to keep Mary Watts, but I don't want to. I don't want that. I really don't want to be a. Follow up from the remake. Well, then you need to get rid of it. Then so what about like like a Evan Rachel Wood? Too young. Too young. Come on, mate. You're Evan Rachel young. Wood could be quite a good um, Melanie. Melanie. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, no, she'd be good Melanie. Yeah. Zola, I'm thinking like what, like a Zoe Saldana type? Maybe like Maybe Tessa Newton. Thompson. Thandy Newton. Thand- too, too, too old. Too old. She's, She's about the same age as oh, okay. Tessa Thompson. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no. She Tessa Thompson. Is she the one Creed? Yeah, she's all right. Good. Yeah. I'm trying to just like put myself. In like who would be and and I, and I keep coming up with Kim Basinger, but it's not Kim Basinger. No, it's not Kim Basinger. But it's a Kim Basinger. What about um uh, Rosamund Pike? Oh, 
Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. Shit, that is perfect. She's cold, but she can have those moments of... Humanity. She's a fucking beautiful actress. Yeah, yeah. Rosamund Pike is perfect. Rosamund Pike and Kyle Chandler for Anne. And, and I suppose you do need a denim, even though he's only in the first scene. It could be. Okay. John Hamm. Yeah. Denim wasn't that I was so nah. sure he was going to be alive. Denim was more like used car salesman. Yeah, no. Like, like a rock. John Goodman or one of them. Gabe, you've hurt me by not having him alive. Nah, I had to die. Mm. Had to die, mate. I wanted to see the original. Oh, see, my thing was they go to the mountain and he's the chief. That's what I oh. thought was going to happen. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Like they were going to get there and he was going to be like, I'm here to see my father. And it's like, oh, we're going to feed you. We're going to send you to the chief and the chief's going to kill you. And they get there and he's just like, just stands up and he's like, Melanie? I like that <laughs> quite a bit. That, and that gives a bit of a more of a purpose because, and I don't want to pull you up for being absurd, but Vikings on top of the mountain. Yes, it's bit, fine. It's great. Leave it alone. Yeah, but if he's the chief. Actually, do you, do you oh, want to know whether- that, you know but maybe, they, maybe they've stayed up there to protect the island. That's his thing of protecting the island. I'm going to get these Vikings to work because basically like the island's immune system. Yeah, I can, I can deal with that. And that works because then like that gives her more of a reason to stay behind when Anne and Jack are like, we're going to go. Yeah. Because if Denim's like, I'm not leaving- and then, but then, would he would he be as reluctant to fly in and fight the Nazis because he's actually got a stake in that? Um, he, he would be, I reckon. He's like, no, I'm not. Can I just let you guys know with the Vikings on the cliff and everything? Do you, where that actually came from? Film in the forties that um, okay. Cooper and Shudstack were going to make called War Eagles. <laughs> wow, that they were going to make in the forties, and the premise of it was that people find a hidden valley full of Vikings that fly on the backs of eagles, and there are dinosaurs as well. And then the Nazi Zeppelins find the valley to find some MacGuffin and the eagles fight the Zeppelins in the sky. So I was like, I'm going to borrow that for King Kong because it's not been used and it's probably the greatest premise for a film ever that has not been made somehow. And so clearly the the chief of the Vikings is either Tormund or Alexander Skarsgård if the actual chief is secretly... um, Skarsgård could play Schultz if you want someone big and... Yeah, Skarsgård could be Schultz. He's got a cold enough face. Mm. And he he looks like a Hitler youth. He's blonde and white and enormous. Yes. Um, He's not what I imagine. I imagine Pete Postlethwaite from basically The Lost World. Yeah, that would be good. Fuck, I love The Lost World. Is Hitler? Does Hitler think he's going to the island to get like eternal life? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that's what normally what Hitler's after in things, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I love? I love that there's this entire like trope of films about how Hitler was like doing all sorts. Oh, there's that great, there's that great bit in Hel- the first Hellboy film where Josh Hartnett's Josh Hartnett could play an all right uh, Jack Driscoll. Yeah, he could actually. <clears throat> Josh Hartnett's talking to. Uh, uh, the the head of uh, the the BRPD whatever they're called yeah and he's like you know you know we helped take out Hitler and uh, killed Hitler in 1946 and he's like Hitler died in 1945 and we, uh, William Hurt's just like did he yes <laughs> and just walks off well you know what we've got here <clears throat> handsome Tom I've pitched Hitler trying to get eternal life from the Skull Ring yep. Gabe's pitched him going to Skull Island for eternal life we kind of need a fun Hitler story from you pal <sighs> all right. All right. Like right now, go. <laughs> Something to do with the skull though, right? We haven't been here for like, what, Actually, yeah, they've all got skulls in them. So yeah. is it is it is that my movie maintenance on King of the Crystal Skull? Hitler wants the crystal <laughs> Add skull. Add Hitler. <laughs> Just add it. Just, it's literally the same plot. Yeah. Hitler's in it though. Hitler, no aliens. Yeah, that's no aliens. A, that's no, a, no, Hitler that's, is an alien. Oh, okay, yeah. That's, that's a, a pretty excellent right maintenance, by yeah. the way. <laughs> yeah, Hitler is an alien and he's come to kill. That's why he kills all the people because he's an alien. He's trying to understand our species. You know, mate, there's Vikings on eagles fighting with dinosaurs and spiders against Nazis. Then there's Hitler's an alien coming to protect our species, which honestly sounds like a weird indie film. Oh, it is. It's got Michael Cera as Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) You Hitler? Uh, Yeah. No, no. If it's it's a weird absurdist comedy where Hitler is an alien, uh, Bill Hader plays Hitler. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> Fucking hell. No, I'm I'm so sold. I am you promised you promised absurdity. It had absurdity. Who would direct it, Gabe? Oh man. Werner um, Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> um who who would who has this kind of a Matthew Vaughan. Oh, perfect. Oh shit, yeah. yeah. So good. Oh. He can do yeah. heart, he can do ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. He can, it's Kingsman yeah. on an island with monkeys and a giant. Yeah. When I have to admit, when Kong lived, <laughs> oh baby baby, oh boy, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Well, I was surprised I didn't know we were getting a Kong in I did lie at the start and say you weren't you, getting a Kong. I was a piece of shit. And yeah, you lied better than I did previously in other things that I've done. So what I wanna what I wanna suggest to you though, it felt like Anne was like, look at me, he's like, Yep, you're right. I think there needed to be maybe more soldiers left, right? And bear with me. They get up to the top there. She sees Kong. She's like, I've got this. And Hitler's like, kill them. And Kong, like, smashes some of the soldiers. And she's like, no. And he's like, smashes some more soldiers. Like, so it's like, she's like, no. And Jack's like, get away from him. Like, he's going to kill her. And then he basically goes to, like, grab her and he just stops. Something like that. So it's almost like, because I felt like it was like, as soon as they locked eyes, I was like, oh, Kong's not going to kill anybody. But if he keeps doing things, it's yeah, like, stop. Yeah. Like trying desperately to yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I'd I'd also nearly or, or whether Hitler him... tries to kill her and then he's and then he snaps out of it because they're going to kill the woman that he loves. I'd, I'd even do a reverse to of the original and have them both fall off the cliff, like Kong falls with them or something, and she's the one who dies and he lives. I don't know how you do that. He catches her also... when he opens his hand. She's in pieces. Yeah, she's <laughs> <laughs> little little graphic, but hey, it's Matthew Vaughn. Still can get away with Play-Doh. this. Just, just red mush with a few bones sticking out. <laughs> but no, I can actually, I can see that. Like you know, she they fall off the cliff. Kong jumps yeah, just after them, they have that grabs moment. Anne, yeah. lands, opens her hands, and she's, opens she's, his hands, and she's dead. She's dead. And then and you have Hitler lands in the spider web. Yeah. Oh no, I, I was just, I was actually thinking maybe Hitler survives the fall somehow and like lopes away, and then maybe either Kong like picks him up and kills him, or Kong picks him up and then sticks him in the spider web, and the spiders like come in and rip him apart. Yeah, that could be cool. Maybe. I don't but know. yeah, I think you need that moment. So you have that moment where they lock it, where they lock eyes, and they have that recognition, and it's nice. But then they—that's it for them. Then she tackles Hitler, and he's off fighting. And I yeah, just think yeah. If There's a bit She more. dies in his hands. Yeah, it's, it just. And yeah, then, I like that. Just that. Then, I like that a lot. And then he goes ape shit. Yes. Then he goes bananas. Bananas. Yeah. Bananas. Oh. So um, anyway, that was that was my King Kong, um, which I wrote today in a sort of furious flurry of. Do you stuff. ever not write in a furious, furious no, flurry? No, furious. I'm writing in a furious flurry. That's the only way to do it, mate. Also, I feel like when you're writing King Kong fights Nazis with all the other things that were in there, a furious flurry is kind of the only it's way to do it because otherwise you stop and you think about it, which, let's face it, you can't do with something like this. Mm-hmm. Or you can and think, fuck, this is good. <laughs> I had fun. It's the most fun I've had doing a pitch ever. So I had a bit of fun listening to it. Oh, I, had a, I tell you what, I had the most fun as Gabe got more and more animated towards the end there and started yelling things and his arms and were going. It's, and... See, it's funny because, like, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm normally so reserved yeah, I know. and, like, in control of my emotions in pitching. And, yeah. you know, I, I feel like I can, I can tend to, like, be quite a flat pitcher because, you know, I don't really tend to hit the emotional highs or I don't really get into it or anything like that. My hands are almost always at my side. So I'm, I surprise myself <laughs> yeah. as I so kind of got more carried away with this. Hands hitting the table. He's not at all like one of those card inflatable things. Wacky waving inflatable arm flaming yeah, tube, man. You're not the first person to say that, that five times. That's what it's called. Wacky waving inflatable arm flaming tube. Wacky waving inflatable arm flaming. I don't know. I'm lost. <laughs> I'm um, how do you remember that? Can I just say, yes, welcome back, Gabe Bergmoser. Yeah, welcome back. It's well, been a while. Since depends on when this episode. The, yeah, I mean, you know, this could that could be completely redundant. But this no, is my, no, this is your this is your this is your pitch back in. All right, cool. I'll I'll tell you haven't pitched for a while. Yeah, there you I go. haven't pitched for a while. Although 
I think the Aragon one's still floating around somewhere. Wow. Um, anyways, now this is officially um, the first episode after Potter Month. How about that? There we go. Sweet. Done. Done. Thanks, Samit. Anyway, so yeah, that was my King Kong pitch, um, which was a tremendous amount of fun. Um, so if you guys have any ideas about what you would do in an ideal King Kong movie, don't say King Kong lives. Don't say the Jessica Lang King Kong. Email us in at sanspantsradio at gmail.com or tweet us at sanspantsradio or our personal Twitters. Um, I'm at Gobergmoser. I'm at Awkward Trade. I'm at Sidekick of Dowie. That's it. We'll see you next time. If you think this show is worth at least a dollar, why not donate to our Patreon account? Follow the links on our website, sanspantsradio.com.